0: hey guys welcome to the babbling pastors podcast sponsored by odg
1: apparel i am one of your hosts michael and i'm rob glad you're here to listen in while we talk about church theology and everything in between
0: hey guys welcome to the babbling pastor podcast
1: you belong here (laughs) i don't even believe that i'm sorry yeah (laughs)
0: hold on you you don't affirm them (laughs)
1: oh kill me in the face okay so thanks for coming thanks for coming everybody
0: today we're gonna do a five sermon series on a better you in regards to your money marriage Mm -hmm. and mishaps you see how i use three m's there
1: yeah if you want to give uh text four 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 and sow your seed for a thousand and forty two dollars
0: it's a faith seed that will reap a thousand fold
1: Absolutely. I,
0: don't have a, I, don't, <laughs> I feel like there needs to be an asterisk at the end of your absolutely. No, I think the way you said it, the inflection oh almost implied an asterisk of
1: absolutely. Yeah, I feel like the people who were watching this on YouTube understand like, that this is a total joke, but... <laughs> We should make sure. Yeah, don't sow your seed. uh, Yeah, this is uh, complete garbage. I don't know. If you text uh, an amount of money to 4444.
0: Not sure what's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) It could
1: could be like Venmo, uh, you know, some random person. I don't know. Don't do that.
0: Anyway, so what we are talking about today is uh, uh, exegetical work and what it looks like now here's the thing big surprise everybody it's not just the pastor's job to do this <gasps> okay so Wait, what? exactly so whenever you're studying the bible it would be good for you to also do the things we're about to explain so that you understand the text as well and if needed uh, be able to, those flags will go up in your head when you are listening to a sermon and you can go, hold on a second, that's not what that means, and be able to recognize that. So we were thinking about the best way to demonstrate this to you, and it was basically just to, to do it in front of you. Just to- mm-hmm. So we are going to be looking at, if you turn to your Bibles with us today, to Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 and 45. Hopefully you have an enormous Bible like Rob. Do you see that? That thing right there is gargantuan. Is that large text?
1: It's a wide margin.
0: Ah, for notes. Mm -hmm. If y'all believe in writing in your Bible, some of you don't, but (laughs) whatever. All right, so um, full disclosure here, I'm preaching a sermon on this text, specifically this upcoming Sunday. So to make it a little fair, I'm going to pass it off to Rob because he just got introduced to this like, 15 minutes ago. So, Rob, if somebody says, hey, you're preaching on this, what are the first things you start to look at in regard to this text? I'm going to see if I did it right based on what you say. On text.
1: That's the only thing almost. Like, that's the biggest thing. And that, the difference between exegesis, so the, the opposite of that is eisegesis. I know you talk about that from time to time and things that you put out. And, Mm um, you know, without exegesis, you have no clue what you're talking about. I think that it it's, it's that important. If you're not doing exegesis and I know it sounds like this big scary thing, but there, there probably are quite a few people who are just regular old church folk who read their Bibles and study who do exegesis. Right. Um, it, it is, uh, perhaps more in depth when you have to preach to a bunch of people on a certain text. But but the point is you need to get the meaning of that text uh, before you can tell other people what the meaning of that text and how to apply it to today, right, to mm-hmm. your life. So um, that's what exegesis is. You have to understand what they, in, in this specific instance, it's Matthew, Right. Uh, and Matthew is just the author. It's not a book about Matthew or anything like that. It's Matthew is just the author, and he wrote to a Jewish audience. Um, and um, full full disclosure, I'm preaching through Matthew. Yeah, so he's, not, in totally, chapter, he's yeah, not totally. he's not totally <laughs> not completely in the dark, right? But but um, but we're in chapter six, so we're certainly not this far yet. Um, but the whole idea, the, the main, if you had to put the book of Matthew in a sentence, right, it would be something like uh, Matthew's telling the Jewish uh, church, the, the Jews, his fellow brothers and sister Jew people, right, the, the other um, Israelites around him. He's, that's the audience, and he's telling them, look, that Messiah king that we've been waiting for for millennia this is him. He's the king. Jesus was him. And so he goes through this huge process, details and and, in many ways tells them, this is your king. He's brought this kingdom. This is happened, right? Like this is him. Um, So it's really just him introducing Jesus as the Messiah king that they've been waiting on. Now, if you don't know that, there's a good chance you're not going to understand this text. You, you have to understand. So there's the uh, context, there's things like immediate context there, there, which are simply like the verses or paragraph, like you can't just preach on one verse, right. Without understanding what the five verses around it are saying and the chapter. So that's the idea. Like you have to understand exactly what is being said and to do that. Context is what I look at, right? Like, so, um, I don't just go pick up a commentary and start reading what other people think it says right away. There are, there is a time when I rip commentaries out and start looking at other things. Um, That's usually once I've already developed what I think it means and the application I think comes from it. And those either kind of affirm or uh, affirm what I've come up with, or sometimes they make me go, oh shoot, I never thought of that. Right. Mm-hmm, because it's yeah. something totally different, which is super helpful. Right. But, but if you, if you, if you first jump to commentary, if that's like your first thing, then, um, you know, that's going to be a, um, uh, I got a notification about Joe Biden. Anyway, uh, if you, <laughs> that's another exegetical thing. Um, so it, but if you, if, if, if you don't, if you don't have context, you're not going to have the meaning, right? Uh, so the grand context is the whole Bible, right? Is one massive historical story in the form of a bunch of books, right? So the, the context begins with Matthew is just a little bitty piece of it. If I start with commentaries, which is what I was talking about before, then mm-hmm. um, all I'm getting, I'm taking all of the study out of my own hands and coming up with yeah. what, you know, and so other other people, what they've come up with, there's a place for that, right? Like if yeah. I'm just throwing together a Bible study real quick and we've got I don't have time, then it's the probably okay thing, to go to some trusted things. But To
0: interject there too is the reason I, I would totally agree with you not to go to commentaries right away is because depending on what commentary you have, it is going to lean that theological way. So I mean, yeah, if you sure. have a reformed commentary, it's going to lean that way. You have a charismatic, it's going to lean that way. So the, yeah, the good idea is not to start there because you're going to have preformed ideas from somebody else in your head. Usually, so.
1: Yeah. And so when you read this specific, so another thing that you always want to do is read what you're going to preach about over and over and over and over again. Like, so you get, you really know it. You have to know what it's saying um, before you're going to be able to gather what it means sort of a thing. Um, and I know for you, you've mentioned before that one of the things you do is read that book over and over and over or listen to it over. Mm-hmm. I so, listen to it. and that's, yeah, so that's, that's something that you, you kind of have to do as well. Um, and this specific one, let me tell you why, uh, listener, So uh, in this specific one, it says uh, in verse 44 of chapter 13 of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And uh, And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now that's not the whole text that you've said, but just the first verse, the first parable. And that's the point, right? So unless you know the context of what's around this, You could walk away from that just thinking, okay, the kingdom of heaven is like a physical ruby, right? Like now, if you know scripture, like that's ludicrous, right? It doesn't even make sense. But if that's all you read, right? Like you would walk away with some kind of false, you know, understanding of what that text is saying. Um kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field so i would begin to ask questions like uh, what kind of so jesus is telling them this parable this kind of example or analogy sort of a thing um, so it has to be relevant to them in some way or it wouldn't make sense that he's telling them this mm-hmm. um, so i would begin to ask questions in my head like okay well what does that mean like what would they have been thinking when he said this, is there some sort, like, were people hiding treasures in fields back then? Like I would want to get answers to questions like that, that I have, which is more like a historical geographical context. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, So it doesn't necessarily all it, it honestly, it doesn't all come from scripture. It comes from history books and things like that. A lot of it. Mm So, um, I need to know what's going on in history and in that area. Um, so that I understand the example he's using here. Right. So, so
0: let's take a pause real quick before you go any further. So some of you are listening to this right now and you're going, that seems like a whole lot of work for me to do for my Bible study. Here's the thing. That's kind of the point. The idea that you can sit down and be like, just buzz through a text and think that you understand what's going on. Some cases, so like the Proverbs that you could probably in some cases do that with them. Not all the cases still, but there are certain things you can do, but here's the thing. Like there's so much in scripture here that is, there's so much more in depth when you understand it. So is it a little bit more work? Yeah, but that's why it's called Bible study. (laughs) I mean, the idea is to understand yeah, yeah, people have dug and hid stuff in the field all the time. Not an uncommon thing to happen at this time at all. But it's one of those things that why, you know, a study Bible or, study, for example, my wife, I'm actually using my wife's Bible right now, uh, but hers is an archaeological Bible, right? So all the references are toward, you know, the things that they found, archaeological finds, how it ties into the scripture reading. So it's like you said, yes, yeah, some of you are probably listening going, I just want to read you know, some verses before I go to bed, man. Like it's, I'm not saying that's out of place, but I'm just saying, be careful. Like how if you just take that and turn it into something that's not because you're just not willing to put the work into it basically.
1: Yeah. And, and two to, to, to talk to that particular point just super quickly there. So I went through a Bible reading program and it was a reading slash listening that I did uh, because of what it was. Uh, it was the called the 30 day shred. Okay, And it's just what it sounds like. It was like an hour and a half of, of listening or reading to scripture um, at the speed on the little thing was like one and a half or 1.75. Like it was zooming through it and you get through the entire Bible in 30 days. Right. Crazy. But obviously, it's that kind of you're not getting heavy Bible study in. Mm-hmm. But you also learn the context of the whole mm-hmm. Bible right by yep. doing that So all of it is not like none of it's worthless mm-hmm. uh, obviously but uh, but if we're if we're gonna actually learn what these texts say, we're gonna have to do more like you're saying we're gonna have to do more than just read over that read a chapter a day for the rest of your life kind of a thing yep. um, And uh, a for instance here is I just quickly you, um, you said the the text or the reference that we were going to use for this a few minutes before uh, you sent me the link and we got on. Yeah. Uh, but in that time when I was reading this, I already highlighted um, the kingdom of heaven is like, right? That phrase is um, one, two, three, four, five, six, just on this page of my Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there, there are lots of references to that same exact phrase. So you look for things like that. You can't do that if you don't know the context, if you're not reading around this text. so, um, And if you don't understand that, you, like this whole section is Jesus telling them through various examples what the kingdom of heaven is like, mm-hmm. right? That's what's being talked about. Um, so without that, you could... Assign anything to the what is the treasure, what is the pearl, right? Mm -hmm. You could assign anything to that. Um, But Jesus isn't talking about anything, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. That's the context. And to assign anything else to that is us doing eisegesis and putting Mm -hmm. what we think into the text. So the whole idea is figuring out what none of this was written to you right like um none of it there are i make a lot of uh, references during our sermon on the mount um sermon series that's kind of where we're at right now uh, i make a lot of references to the fact that this isn't written to us he's talking to a group a crowd of disciples which we are in 2020. So this stuff directly applies to us, but he's not talking to us, right? Yeah. Um, So you have to understand a lot of things, but the point is you have to understand the context. That's the first thing that I always do, right? I, I think about it from a gospel perspective, which is the whole book. I think about it from a... Old Testament versus New Testament perspective, uh, the Old Covenant, New Covenant, you think about it from a Matthew perspective, who was Matthew writing to, what is he, what is his point, if you just sum the whole book up, and then Matthew yeah. is broken up into sections, which you learn as you as you study the whole context of Matthew, this is part of one of those sections, so it can give you a real idea of what the text is all about, where the text is happening, what the meaning of it is before you actually even dive into the particulars of that little verse or verses. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the context part. Like that is where I start um, every time. Um, And then I have some fun little tools to help me. So uh, it's not Um, you know, which, which is a good point because you don't like need a a doctorate in theology to pull this off. Right. I think a
0: lot of people assume that you need the pay, you need to buy a bunch of commentaries. You need to buy, you know, logos or whatever, um, to have all of this stuff, which here's the thing. Like you said, those are very important. But just to give you some resources here, and I'm not vouching for any of these, you know, these commentaries for the, you know, how good they are. But they, I know there's some on here that I see that are good. You can go to BibleGateway.com and under the resource section, there are, there are commentaries for free for you to use. Um, there's a free version of Logos that you can use as well for Greek, if you don't know Greek, Strong Concordance, Greek and Hebrew words, all free online, every bit of it. So there's not really a hindrance for anybody to do this, and here's the thing, full disclosure on how I prepare sermons, right? There is a plethora of really good, legitimate history teaching on Bible, like on the history on YouTube for free that you can just pull up. We were talking about before we started recording, the Bible project has Mm -hmm. every book of the Bible, an overview. It is. You're not going to get great, like detail, detail, but they're going to give you a vast overview of every book that you need to look at. He doesn't have it in front of him, but he has an enormous book as big as a child (laughs) of all of these maps or all of those, their drawings. But um, yeah, I mean, I want to get that across as we're covering this. It seems like a lot of work, but to be honest with you, I'm not that smart and I can do it. So I have full confidence (laughs) that that you can do it too, because, and this is what I tell people and this is, this is going to sound like a humble brag, but I promise you it's not. Um, I'll get done preaching and somebody will say, hey, that was like, thank you. That was really enlightening. And when I say, you can do this same thing. I mean, it's not, I didn't, there was nothing extra I did. I worked a 50, 60 hour week this week and then just looked for what I was looking for, right? So it's it's not like this, you have to be an uber intelligent person. In fact, sometimes the smarter you get, the worse you make it on yourselves. There's some professors that I know that are super intelligent that actually do damage when they read the text because they think they're too smart. Uh, they think they're so smart that they know more about it than somebody else does. So that could be a hindrance in some cases. But anyway, back to what you were saying, yeah.
1: When you're, when you're talking about the Strong's mm-hmm. Concordance, uh, Concordance is uh, a huge tool. It's great. It's not cheating. Like, you know, yeah. like just jumping straight to a commentary or whatever. It's not that at all. It uh, simply tells you every word, even the, Right? Like, that's what a concordance is. Every word in all scripture um, you can find in it. So uh, you can see it. Um, So uh, it's, I have what is kind of an interlinear thing. So I can look at the uh, word, like kingdom in this instance, heaven. uh, I mean, I can do is, but that's kind of a fairly obvious meaning, right? (laughs) Uh, But kingdom, heaven, treasure, hidden. Um, So, like, sometimes you can see uh things in there that are uh really like whoa i wouldn't have thought of it that way mm-hmm. or uh like there is certainly a difference in i mean even between french and english or spanish and english there are differences there are differences in dialects there's a difference between north de and, and texas right like oh so it is um it's important to understand that there are differences between greek the way that this or hebrew and other areas but greek the way that this was specifically written um there's a difference between that and uh the translations um another reason is because um you can make money doing that but (laughs) the the big thing one-liner right of what i'm trying to say is that english is different than greek
0: there you
1: go yeah and and um, there are there's some pretty simple tools uh, you don't have to be a Greek scholar I'm not a Greek scholar right mm-hmm. you just have to have a few tools to help you um, but uh, in listen in the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in that uh, of course I'm not probably going to look up the particulars of the of is a but I will look up kingdom heaven like even, right? Uh, Treasure, hidden. So some of these other words might have more deep meanings in Greek or or different uh, meaning um, altogether than what we would think of in our English language. Um, So uh, Well, what
0: you're talking about specifically, so you're talking about the overarching story of Matthew. Uh, He's telling a Jewish people about this Messiah that was coming and that Jesus is this Messiah, the kingdom of heaven for them, that phrase is going to mean probably something differently than what you're thinking it means. Not only that, as far as the uh, differences of what they think kingdom of heaven is versus what we may be thinking kingdom of heaven is, uh, then you have to flesh out the whole, is it already here? Is he bringing it? Is it a future thing? How did they see it? What is Jesus actually saying? I mean, there's so much in there that we can assume, but again, the overarching idea of Matthew is going to feed a lot into that. Now, not totally, you are probably going to need to look up some history on the kingdom of heaven, which, by the way, there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is to flesh those words out too, so you can actually see what Jesus is saying. Um, because, like you said already, like there's the entire chapter of Matthew or chapter 13, he says kingdom of heaven over and over and over and over and over again, so obviously kind of need to know what that is. Um and he's saying it to a Jewish audience. So they are picturing something differently than what the Gentiles would picture as far as in reference to a kingdom. Uh, you see that fleshed out later in Matthew where they think he's coming when he comes in uh into Jerusalem like that's what this that's what Jesus is doing. He's establishing the kingdom right now. He's going to take over we're going to rule and that's not what he was, but that's, this is what the, where their headspace is. So anyway, um, so what would be kind of the uh, ending things that you're doing? So you're looking up words, you're putting it together within the context of it. And then you're understanding that he's talking to a specific audience. How do you tie all that into a bow or what extra steps here were you doing here to end? Um, so uh, the,
1: the context is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Even if even if you don't have uh, access to Greek tools, if you understand the context, we can pretty much trust most translations in how the translator has done them. Yeah. Uh, one tool, if you don't have Greek stuff that you can use, is just a text comparison. Like how are other versions of the Bible translated, other translations? Um for the NASB is probably the most word for word that you can get a hold of. Um, The ESV is right next to that and on down the line, all the way to things like the new living translation, which like I wouldn't preach from that personally, but, but it, it's sometimes it's helpful. It gives Mm -hmm. you different phrasing. You understand, Oh yeah, that's what it's talking about. Um, Whole idea understand what that verse versus sentence is talking about um, keeping in mind too that verses and chapters were not there when it was written right mm-hmm. so we're talking about paragraphs and pericopes and sentences and stuff so um, it's uh, it's important to, to do that as well to understand that as well but the takeaway is that you need to know in this particular instance, um, what is Jesus saying and meaning to the disciples who are hearing these parables and what did they hear based on who they were, where they lived, what their context was. If you can, if you know what Jesus said to them and what, what they would have heard and what they would have taken away from it, then you know what it means. Mm-hmm.
0: And the application part really falls in pretty quick after that because it, yep. I mean, if he's telling that to them and you understand the context and the historical setting, then you have a pretty clear idea how it impacts you. Uh, two things, real quick, that I would add. So you're talking about text comparison. A great site for this is BibleHub.com. You yep. type a verse in and it automatically lays it out for you. Uh, In fact, if you
1: type if you type a verse into Google Bible Hub will be one of the first things that pops up. Actually,
0: yeah, you don't have to go look for it. Um, And the second thing, and this is a part that not everybody's going to agree with, but I think uh, I know Rob does it. I would uh, encourage pastors to do it because it just helps the congregation in this process is expository preaching, which just means you're preaching through books of the Bible. So it's not like you show up Sunday and one Sunday you're, you're learning something out of Titus and the next Sunday you're learning something out of Mark and the next Sunday you're learning something out of Revelations and hopping mm-hmm. all over the place. That can be done. Good exegetical work will help people understand that, but you're going to have to do so much on the front end each Sunday to catch people up to where you're supposed to be that it's it's taking time up out of where if you're preaching through a book they were there last week with you the week before with you they already kind of know what's going on so um those would be two things that I would say there so um and th- doing this here's the thing doing this is going to help you especially if you're church shopping I hate the term but if you're trying to find a good home church um this is going to help you when you hear that pastor preach figure out if he's if he's doing this Here's my thing. If if you're doing better exegetical work than the guy that's preaching, you probably need to find a different church. Um, secondly, that's just that's, that's my little thing there. Uh, and secondly, um, I forgot my second point. Oh, um, and it's going to help you as you have conversations with other believers or people that uh, maybe aren't believers but are using text to defend points uh, against Christianity uh, it's going to help you actually, I'm not saying you're going to know the answer, but you're going to be able to go to the text and apply everything that Rob has talked about and say, well, actually that's, that's not what it says because you know, this is the historical context. This is the audience that they're talking to. This is what this word means mm-hmm. um, and be able to really take that out of that. And again, not be a Mr. Or Mrs. Smarty pants here, but just be knowledgeable and be able to defend the faith in a correct manner. So uh, I know I get, on a soapbox about exegetical preaching a lot, but it's important uh, because if not, like Rob said earlier, you can literally make the treasure or the pearl mean anything you want. And sometimes people get tricked into thinking that a pastor is preaching expositionally or uh, exegetically because they'll say, well, they got up and they read the text and they told us about the history and they mentioned Jesus and they could do all those things, but still at the same time, make the treasure about, you know, your treasure that you need to seek and they could have done all those things and then stuck that in and totally ruined what they were talking about. So
1: Yeah, the 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 whole man, the whole thing, like the treasure and the pearl aren't the point of those texts. They're not. The the treasure yeah. and the pearl are simply the examples Jesus is using to tell you. Like I had what a few minutes, right? to, mm-hmm. to but it doesn't take much. It's not difficult to understand just looking at it a little bit um, that the kingdom of heaven is like, that's the point. Um, and then another two phrases that are here are, um, that he goes and sells all that he has. Right. And that is repeated in the next, in both of those mm-hmm. things. And so that the whole point, right, is pretty simple. The kingdom of heaven is so valuable, so exciting, so amazing that it's worth all that you have. Mm hmm. It's worth giving it everything like, right. Like you could go preaching right now, just from that. Um, Like that's, that's the whole thing. That's the point. Right. Mm -hmm. But you, you might not arrive at that. If you don't think about it in the way that we've been describing, you might arrive at something completely different and, you know, be in the Bible study where you're sitting in a circle and somebody says, what does this mean to you? No one cares what it means to you. What did it mean when it was written and mm-hmm. when it was being spoken? That's the point of the text. So yeah,
0: and again, like I said, and I'll I'll end with this specifically. But just getting ready for this sermon, for example, to preach it, when you see it within the context of Matthew and what Jesus is comparing the kingdom to, and what he's already before this point, like what you're preaching through, right? In terms of what he's calling the disciples to, when you get to this. All of that's in your head to where you look back and go, he's already called them to this amazing new uh, family, this new kingdom, this new way of living. And he's walking them through this. And then when you read these two very short parables, uh, you understand that that kingdom, that is not only just like a better way, but it is worth everything so that when Jesus also tells you later uh, about how you know you're, there's going to be times where you have to leave your mother, family, children, like you have to love him more than all of those things, it harkens back to the parables where he says that like, that's how valuable it is. And it kicks you in the face mm-hmm. a little bit to go, it's not just a kind of devotion. It's not just a, I come and visit, you know, cause this is a really nice kind of feel I have. This is a, I literally everything everything goes away because of how valuable this is and then that then affects i mean if you're thinking about within the parable right that he doesn't have anything else he gave everything up for this treasure he that's all everything he has is is invested in this treasure or in this pearl and that's the that's all he's got he doesn't have anything to fall back on he doesn't have anything else to pursue Everything is there. So anyway, I've just preached my mini message. But like when you see it within the context that um, it affects everything else, essentially. So that is my ending point.
1: (laughs) My ending point. True.
0: (laughs) There you go. All right, guys. So um, I talk so much about exegetical stuff and I wanted to just give a place where I could uh, point people to to ask about what that looks like in a short way, what you should do to do that. Uh, hopefully, this podcast, this episode will be um, a good resource for you in doing that. So you'll see um, if me and Rob were to take IQ tests. I mean, we're not stupid, but we're obvious. I, I, we're not like building rockets, okay? So it doesn't take that in order to look into the text and really dig it out. Your pastor is not the only person that can do this. Um, he's been put. Uh, it,
1: not the only person that should do this yeah there you
0: go exactly he's not been put over you within the church in order to do this for you um so don't neglect that i guess is my biggest point so hopefully this was helpful to you and we'll talk to you next time see you later